0: and i went to grab the bottle and i cuz it's so s- sticky it has a higher sugar content or whatever was next to it I had i don't know whatever i think i think there was a crack in the bottle and somebody had leaked onto the onto the wood so it was stuck and i went to like you know i, I, I forcefully went to grab it also up in cubbies above my head um and uh it broke and it was friday night shift had just started And Black House just went all (laughs) over me, like the whole bottle on my head.
1: Welcome to So This One Shift, a conversational series brought to you by Decoding Cocktails, featuring people from around the drinks and hospitality industry, sharing stories with a friend, colleague, or acquaintance. With any luck, we'll get to listen in on some hilarious and heartwarming tales, along with the moments that shape our lives and work. Learn more about the show, our guests, how to submit your own conversation, and subscribe at sowthisoneshift.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of So This One Shift. And uh, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, real quickly, a primer. Um, As someone that runs an interview-style podcast, it occurred to me, what would happen if I took people in this industry of ours who have just so many stories and put them in the same room with someone they knew for a long time, or maybe even someone they just met? And uh, so this was brought to life at this year's Tales of the Cocktail, in part uh, a big thank you to Spearbaum for agreeing to host me in their suite as we brought people in who were longtime friends and people who had literally just met minutes before For a conversation to see what they ended up sharing, and uh, at the end of it, pretty much everybody was like, "That was a lot of fun," and so I I think you're going to enjoy these. So to kick things off, today you're joined by two good friends, Amanda Gunderson and Keo O'Brien. Amanda is the CEO of the nonprofit Another Round Another Rally, and uh, very notably, they handed out several million dollars several million dollars worth of relief funds to bartenders at the start of COVID. And so Amanda had started this. A couple years prior to the pandemic, and it became a, a beacon for uh, the industry's distress. Obviously, when COVID nineteen set in, Kiowa Bryan is the marketing director for Spiribom. So again, thanks Kiowa, for helping make this happen. And uh, uh, they also they have products like uh, Rum Clement and Rum GM, not JM, as us Americans would tend to say. You know, so what I was hoping for, like I said, is that. Uh, you know, At the end, I was hoping you were going to get to hear some hilarious, heartwarming tales, maybe some reflections, and that's exactly what you're going to get from Amanda and Kiowa. You're going to hear about how they originally met in the stairwell at Tales of the Cocktail, and Amanda kind of fangirled out, uh, how Kiowa got her job as brand ambassador, how you might carve out your own swim lane like she did, and also you, you can you'll get a little insight into the, uh, the self-appointed title she had for her work in Rum Agricole before it actually began. Uh, Amanda will share the leap of getting into the nonprofit. Uh, you're going to get to hear some hilarious stories uh, about work shifts and disasters. And uh, it may or may not involve a concussion. You'll have to see. And, of course, the work nightmare that Kiowa has in a very recurring manner. <laughs> uh, Amanda is going to tell you about chicken whiskey, and we all need to know more about that. Uh, the iconic Monday nights she recalls at the Eveli, where Kiowa was, wor- was working at the time. And why going on brand trips to places like Mexico is so worth it, despite the fact that you might come back with dysentery. So hold on for that part of that story right there. So anyways, um, I hope you enjoy this. Would love your feedback. Uh, you can see more about Kiowa and Amanda at uh, sothisoneshift.com. And you can also learn there uh, about how to submit your own conversation if you want to play along. So enjoy this conversation.
0: We're, we're, we're live? You're
2: live. Okay. So. Oh. So we're recording. That's we're it. We're recording. Okay.
1: <laughs> Hi. Uh.
2: Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we have to introduce ourselves. So. Yeah. Um, Who are you? Who <laughs> <laughs> the fuck am I after these last three days? I, I don't even three know. Three days. Four days, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah we're on day four. Um, my name is Amanda Gunderson. I am the CEO and co-founder of Another Round, Another Rally.
0: And you are based where, Amanda Gunderson?
2: <laughs> I'm based in the greatest city in the world. I live in L.A.
0: Um, and since this is a podcast, you cannot see that Amanda is wearing a L.A. necklace right now. Yes. So she's very much representing. And I, my license plates on my car say LA's great. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and Amanda has the sexiest podcast voice ever. So... Hello. <clears throat> and mine's oh no. starting to sound like Travis Tober. <laughs> no, you aren't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Kiwa Bryan. Uh, I am the um, U.S. Uh, on trade and marketing director for Spearbaum, which is a collection of fine rums from Martinique and St. Lucia and a uh, nice French liqueur and French cognac. Um, recently, we started importing a cognac. Um, and, uh, Amanda and I have been, fr- actually, I was figuring this out last night. I was in an Uber with Julian and he was like, um, do you remember that tales in 2013? And I was like, Oh, that
2: must've been my first year. Was it 13? I thought it was 12. <gasps> oh my God. That's right. I love that's this story. Met. That's when we went. Yeah. Oh my God. That's right. I
0: think I, I'm not, I'm not sold that it was. 2013 it might have been 2012 but i, I don't know 12. if this is my ninth or tenth like tales
2: that i've gone you know skipping in, the pandemic yeah. yeah 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 yeah. same i remember but I we just... it
0: was it was our first tales both of us yeah. Yeah. for because sure.
2: you were working at the evilly at the time and i was just really enamored by you and so i remember i had like a weird fangirl moment we like passed each other on the stairs in the stairwell the at, the, stairwell rivera at house. the rivera house because <laughs> rivera was up for best uh, restaurant bar that year and yep. so um the owner of rivera rented a house and was like if you guys can get yourselves there everybody has a place to stay and julian was so excited i remember he was like if we w- if i win this Everybody's coming up on stage with me, and so we were all staying at that that house. And I passed you in the stairwell, and I was like, "Wait, are you Kiwa?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm Amanda. I'm, I'm nice to meet you. Like-
0: that moment was so clear in my mind, and it was like I think it was seven, like seven in the morning. <laughs> um, like you know, like like we said, it was uh yeah. it was.
2: Hungover, three-day-old makeup.
0: Yeah, yeah was like, <laughs> it was ten or eleven years ago, so you know, <laughs> yeah, we seven were... in the morning was a little easier then. yeah, much um, easier then. And <clears throat> I, yeah, I, I, I believe uh, I had made it back to the Rivera house with with Zach Patterson. Yeah, um, and hung out with everybody at seven in the morning, and yeah. and uh, yeah, it was uh that was a good time. Um, and then uh, I, I actually was talking about this yesterday when i was curling my hair that i don't recommend curling your hair after uh this week a your hands are like shaky and b um you know if you've had a couple of tea punches uh, like i had I, I like burned my tried to curl my bangs and i burned my forehead before the spirited awards <laughs> and had like a nice burn on my forehead for the spirited awards but anyway that scar finally has healed. It took like five years, but so here we are.
2: Well, speaking of, I do wanna say I was about to say it when you were introducing yourself that you're up for Brand Ambassador of the Year this year for the fifth time.
0: I I am. I am. It's uh it's crazy. It's it's quite crazy. Um it's crazy that I've been doing this job for nine years, uh or eight years. This is my ninth year, but what is it that they say? Um, if you love what you do, uh, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. So um, it's hectic and, um, you know, at times, at times, uh, overwhelming, but, um, I, yeah, I really, I, I love, I love my job and I love rum agricole. I mean, that's my baby.
2: So Can we're you, drinking tea punches right we're now. We're drinking just, tea punches definitely. that are delicious. Can you, um, I just think for any younger person in the industry who might be listening, it would be good for them to hear how you got that job.
0: Um, yeah, I mean. I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, important to, you know, there are so many avenues you can take in this, uh, in this industry after working behind a bar, um, or, you know, in a bar or a restaurant, um, bar ownership or, you know, brand ambassador work, which is a common path for a lot of, for a lot of bartenders, young bartenders, um, I mean, you know, the late shifts and, um, the wear and tear on your body is, is it, it, it it wears on you after a while. And, um, I really, you know, I fell in love with rum agricole, um, actually at the heavily, uh, I kind of knew what rum agricole was, but I fell in love with it at the heavily when, um, Dave Kamchitsky made me a tea punch as a shift drink after work one time, probably, probably in like 2010. Um, and you know, he made it on crushed ice as, Everybody did, I think, in the Audrey Saunders school of of cocktail making, um, you know. And it, so it was well, actually in in, sh- in Chicago at Lost Lake they made a a tea punch on crushed ice, and they called it a party girl tea punch. So that's <laughs> that's what I think of that's when I strong. think of yeah 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 yeah. Um, so I had it, and I was just like, this is not cachaça. this is not a Caparina. It's mm-hmm. something like that's kind of has that vibe but it's like so unique and so interesting and um i was curious you know why there's an h in the rum and curious about martinique and martinique is like such a such a beautiful but like foreign place it's not far from the u.s but i feel like it's very foreign because it's very french and not a lot of people travel there and so it just was like very intriguing to me to learn about this drink uh from this island that i had barely heard about and um and so it inspired me to really, you know, like see how I could represent this little tiny niche category. Um, and so I found um, through, you know, friends that uh, Ben Jones, um, who is the great-grandnephew of Omer Clement, um, I found him on Facebook and I friended him. And then he did a seminar in, um, at Scopa, actually, in, in L.A., and I introduced myself, and um, he had already kind of known who I was because, you know, I, I actually it's a f- funny story, but like on my Facebook uh, profile it said that I was an agricultural my title was agricultural slut at the Evelie. and so uh, he was like, oh, you're the agricultural slut, slut. <laughs> um, and uh, so you know, actually I, another like another tale story, uh, I mean i um kept sending him like my resume and like a job description i was i was pitching him i would like to be the west coast brand ambassador for clement and rum JM, which were the two brands that they had at the time and um and i kept i just kept sending him my email like every month or two or my uh, i kept sending him my resume every month or two and eventually he was like all right are you going to be at tales of the cocktail um and so in 2014 we had a meeting on the rooftop at the Omni Hotel and I you know I I pitched the job in person for the first time and he was like okay we'll give you a couple trial events in the fall and you know we'll see what happens next year and and then January 1st uh 2015 I started and and uh as a part-time brand
2: ambassador and um yeah but I think you're kind of glossing over something because those trial events yeah You're so sick yeah it's like true. you threw such good parties good <laughs> events and listen like, to me yeah that's true literally like, <laughs> but we had like five dollars like to rub together yeah we had like no money and we just you just did such a good job like putting up those events and it was so creative the ideas behind the events and everybody came you yeah. know we just like LA was a really tight scene at that time but also everybody just loves you and so it was like you you threw an event and everybody showed up it was packed to the gills and Ben was trashed <laughs> Sorry, so were, yeah it was like so I mean you just showed him like I can make your brand really shine you know with everybody it was so fun
0: well and I think I think that's like just a you know uh a, a, don't know a, a just recommendation or like uh to inspire people out there that Um, you know, if they're like, if you're interested in brand work or whatever, like, um, I'm still doing this eight years later because I love it and I love the brand and, you know, I, you know, I, I worked before a little bit, uh, I worked with aviation gin for a while and I love that team and I love that brand, but like, there's only so many, only so many warm gin shots you can do. Right. Um, (laughs) And although t- travis tober can can yeah will always be able to do warm chin yeah, shots i feel like i'm gonna throw
2: up just thinking about that
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean you can you can make your own path like that's the that's the moral here is like you can make your own path you just need to figure out what it is and you need to be persistent and there are so many different paths like like alex jump you know with focus mm-hmm. on health and Um, and Lauren Paler, like they made their own path within the industry. That is, is something new and something fresh. And, you know, and, and also, uh, you, um, you know, like, like explain a little bit about, you know, how, I mean, I feel like, I feel like we're kind of, we're kind of parallels in this, in this situation. I
2: mean, I feel like that a lot about us just over the last like 12 years of knowing each other. Um, you know, it's been such a fruitful friendship for me because I've always just like, whenever I've had a real tough thing to talk about, whether it's been personal or professional, I'm like, I wonder what Kiba would think about this. And I always get such good advice from you. It's just, love you so much. But, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's true when we started another round, I was just telling Ben outside that like, so another round, another rally is a, um, it's a hospitality focused nonprofit. And we have, I'm like, and teary-eyed um, we have two we love each of other money. a lot yeah, we just we're, we're in love we're in love <laughs> and it's day four of tales <laughs> um, but anyway it's a, a hospitality focused nonprofit. we raise two buckets of money one is for emergency funds and the other is for professional development work and I was just telling Ben that like when we first we launched in 2018 but so we had two years of work that we had done to kind of get us ready for the pandemic. And we didn't even know it was a real, really one of those moments where opportunity and preparation really met. Um, and uh, it was something that, um, you know, we had our board of directors together and we had our bylaws together and we had, you know, done a couple of events by the time the pandemic hit. But when we first launched and we first launched applications for our care or for our um, aid, we um, we had 79,000 applicants in that first week so like so impactful It's so crazy and we had almost 300 volunteers and what I was just telling Ben was like you know with Kiwa being on our the chairman of our board of directors she like got on the phone with us and was like okay we need to have a meeting we need to talk about these volunteers we need to identify the managers we need to put them in charge of teams like we need to build an infrastructure and we did it so quickly and you also jumped in with us for for us to decide how the money was going to be given out because everybody was in need but some people were really really in need and so how do we identify the most critical because we didn't have enough money to service 79,000 people but we did get a lot of money and we got a lot of money out the door I mean to be able to move through like three million dollars in just like four months was Really crazy, and it was a lot because of your leadership coming in there and just being on our team with us. And you know, there was Travis and Cheyenne and uh, some other members of our board too that jumped in that were just really fundamental in us being able to um, just keep it moving. You know, just keep it moving. So
0: well, and I think you're kind of also glossing over the fact that you, you know, had this idea and this vision and wanted to really make a huge change in the industry. And you know, it's it's you have to be. Uh, you have to be brave to like decide to start your own thing or leave um, you know a, a job that's stable and yeah. corporate and like you know is 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 very very structured and has that infrastructure that you're talking yeah. about and to build that from scratch is like it's a daunting task and, and it's risky you know right like
2: I remember being so afraid to leave uh, on my own because I was working at beam at the time and they just were a great company, great coworkers, good philosophy within the company. Beam was purchased by Suntory about five or six years before I started there. And there's all these like ways of working that were from the Japanese side of the Suntory side that were just,
0: I just went to their fantastic. office in New York and
2: yeah, beautiful. Mind I mean, blown. they're just, you know, and you know, what's funny is they have this thing that I learned there that was the thing that I was sort of fighting against when I was trying to decide if I should go full time at my own company. I was just so afraid to lose a really great health benefits and you know all of the things that a corporate structure kind of gives you. But they have this thing called yate minahare, which means basically we don't have an English translation for it, but it basically means like trust your crazy ideas. You know, it means like leap and the net will appear. Like if if you set your mind on a vision on something, you know, you you'll be able to do it. You just have to do it. Um or how fortuitous. Yeah, exactly. Kind of
0: like, <laughs> exactly. thank you for the advice and now yeah. I will take the leap. Yeah. I'm and sorry. I'm leaving your Bye. company. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: um, so anyway, yeah, let's talk about, um, I kind of want to tell you because I know one of these questions is what's your funniest shift, but I kind of want to tell you a funny story that that made me think of. Um, I will never forget, I was working at the Bazaar and we had this cocktail that had a was all molecular uh, molecular cocktails so we had this cocktail that had this uh, passion fruit, fruit foam on the top of it and um I was moving so fast you know that bar was so crazy it was like a nightclub in the middle of a restaurant and so we were just like 10 people deep on the weekends and this even in 2012 this was like so nuts you would go in there and you'd spend 60 bucks and you'd have only gotten like three cocktails you know it was just everything was so intense there they, they were just so particular so but you're moving fast you got 10 people deep at the bar everything's going and I was like right there on stage in front of this huge crowd basically behind the bar and I grabbed that thing I sprayed it on the um cocktail and then I shoved it back into the kit the fridge the low boy really fast and it just squirted <sighs> and like money <laughs> shot it like, <laughs> all over my face and my chest oh boy and I just sort of had to side maneuver <laughs> like crab walk out of the bar sideways because I could not turn around and get a towel to clean my face off and have everyone see that I had basically a giant money shot all over my face and my chest it was <laughs> so crazy that's so funny
0: <clears throat> I yeah. I have a, a kind of well A, I've had three, I I can think very quickly of three episodes where bottles have fallen on me Mm -hmm. or one, a great, when I was bartending in New Jersey, when I was like 18, uh, I went to grab a bottle of, I remember I went to grab a bottle of, uh, and the Grey Goose was in front of it and it was like a shelf up top and I knocked the Grey Goose on my head and I gave myself a concussion (gasps) behind the bar while I was working. (laughs) Grey Goose is like a heavy bottle. bottle. Um, (laughs) A B one time I was going to pick up a bottle of Black House which by in, Jer- in New Jersey I don't know if any any of y'all out there know what Black House is it's the cousin <laughs> to Rumplemint's and it's oh, black boy. raspberry flavored <laughs> I believe um and this was a huge thing in Montclair New Jersey um and I went to grab the bottle and I cuz it's so s- sticky it's, it has a higher sugar content or whatever was next to it, it had I don't know whatever I think, I think there was a crack in the bottle and somebody had leaked onto the, onto the wood. So it was stuck. And I went to like, you know, I, I, I forcefully went to grab it also up in cubbies above my head. Um, and, uh, it broke and it was Friday night shift had just started and black house just went all <laughs> over me, like the whole oh, no. bottle on my the head. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, and the very beginning of the shift and I was just like how what, what what do i do like what do like do? you said yeah. what do i do it's the beginning of a friday night shift i can't like go home and shower yeah. i just like went in the bathroom and took a wet dirty bar rag and like mm-hmm. wiped myself down and worked through it but the other the third one i don't know i don't know what is wrong with me these are like and they're all it was all the same bar in the cubbies that were like storage above above the bar um i went i used to keep my purse behind uh the the bottle of um Of Louis Trace and uh, you know there was a little cubby just for Mm -hmm. the Louis Trace and so I put my purse behind it and um, one night I went to I went to like uh, close out and I grabbed my purse and the bot like the strap got caught on the bottle. And the, you know, the, the, the canter top just like flew out and hit me in the teeth. And I was like, A, did I just chip my teeth on the fucking Louis? I, in the, in, the, in the, uh, yeah, I guess we're swearing in this. Yeah. Um, did I just chip my teeth? Cause that thing is heavy. Yeah. Uh, crystal. And then, uh, and B, am I going to be able to keep my job because I just dumped like, half a bottle of louis trace on myself it's all down my shirt i'm like and i just like burst into tears and i was like i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna get fired like <laughs> this is a hun- and by the way yeah it was only 125 dollars a shot at this bar <laughs> like i feel like that is Cheap, the cheapest yeah. i feel like it's always like 300 yeah yeah, a yeah, shot. yeah yeah um and so i went downstairs and luckily my my boss just laughed at me but um that is fortunate um yeah any other uh <laughs> spilling uh, shit on yourself stories.
2: You know what? This isn't a spilling shit on myself story, but I do think it's like kind of funny. I was, um, for some reason, when you were talking about being eighteen and like hitting yourself in the head with a bar a, a bottle, I was thinking about my very first bar job, <clears throat> and I started actually as a cocktail waitress, and it was at a sports bar in Reno called Bullies. And they just had daytime shifts for me there. So it was like 9 a.m. I would go into work at a sports bar. And there would be, you know, it's a 24-hour town. So there would be people that are, like, getting off of work and, like, getting at it at the bar, you know. And um, the bartender there could see that I was just really hungry because I was trying to, like, pay for school. So I was just really hungry to, like, pick up any shifts or whatever. And she was kind of like, oh, you know, if I teach Amanda how to bartend, then she might be able to cover my shifts, you know, once in a while or whatever. So at some point she said to me, "Um, I'm going to go to the bathroom just jump behind the bar and uh you know just watch it for me for a minute and I was like okay as soon as I get behind the bar this guy goes can I get another gin and tonic and Camille's walking to the bathroom and I was like um Camille and she turns around and she goes Amanda it's gin and tonic. Just <laughs> put it in the glass. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, like all shaking. That's the first cocktail I ever made was that's that so funny?
0: gin and tonic at that sports bar at like 9 a.m. <laughs> uh, that's so, I mean, it's kind of, that was kind of my first uh, bartending situation as well. I was uh, 18 in New Jersey, Montclair, New Jersey. I was a hostess um, at this, at this restaurant by my, I just moved out of my parents' house, you know, into my own apartment and. I was uh, teaching figure skating uh, at uh, this rink, um, actually where the Jersey Devils train, and um, I, you know, I was only working like, uh, it's not, you know, it was a a job, but it's not consistent hours. I was working, you know, and teaching like three classes a week, and so I needed another job, and I started hostessing at this place, and then one Saturday night, um, we were super busy, and um, they fired one of the bartenders because he called in sick and then and then he posted on facebook or something he was was at a a, a bar yeah and um so whatever they threw me behind the bar and they were just like you're gonna i I don't know why i mean i guess the the servers were busy like all their sections were busy and we had two hostesses so like uh they threw me behind the bar and they're like you're gonna bar back tonight and the bar back's gonna pour drinks and then by the end of the night i was like helping pour drinks and they were like all right you're cool Um, and I was 18. I I mean, honestly, to this day, I don't know if it's like legal for you to bartend (laughs) if you're 18 in New Jersey, but, um, maybe somebody can, uh, can fill me in, answer that (laughs) at that in the, in the comments or whatever. But, um, yeah, that was, that was it. That was my, that was my first, uh, that was my first shift. Um, speaking of, I wonder then, like, I, I, I feel like we kind of both had the same start. Um, is there any, like, like what was what was the awful like drink of that time that you feel like you made a lot of um, when you were first bartending?
2: You know, <clears throat> when I was first bartending, because I was at a sports bar, it was mostly like beer mm-hmm. that I was pouring, um, so it was pretty easy. A lot of Long Island's, yeah, a lot of, that was a real Long Islandy time. But I do remember <clears throat> also when I was like in college. That me and my best friend at the time who knew both of us really didn't know anything about cocktails, even though like I had bartending experience, I just, you know, that's basically what it was, was those gross like 80s cocktails. Yeah. No. You know, do you remember what your well was, though?
0: Do you remember what was lined up in your well?
2: Like Gibson like you remember that Gibson gin that was like yeah. in a plastic bottle on the bottom shelf oh, at the go- grocery perfect. store. Yeah, yeah. That was what was, I remember that kind of garbage. Um, and oh boy, I hope somebody who's working for Gibson isn't listening to me call that Probably garbage. Not. But, um, but anyway, Jose Cuervo gold, I want to say there was just like a lot of there, yeah, whatever's yeah, the Cuervo, most gold. affordable things. Totally. Yeah.
0: I just remember having <clears throat> SoCo Am- Amaretto and Gin in my speed well, because of oh, yeah. Alabama Slammers Alabama Slammers yeah and well, red red devils that and, sounds right and i mean soco and lime shots oh, and amaretto God. sours my best um, friend and
2: i used to be so obnoxious and go in and order something we'd be like can we get a spider martini what is that every bartender would be like sure what is it and we'd be like it's vanilla vodka and ginger ale so like a <clears throat> not a real drink yeah and b not a martini <laughs> oh not oh, even in Lama. a martini glass not i mean there's a, a there's class. a lot of uh <laughs> yeah. non-martinis that are in
0: martini glasses and yeah. it's like all right you got yeah. away with it whatever
2: yeah. uh and thanks we lola's just, but yeah yeah alabama slammers where was the one that was there was one that was like a cranberry juice focused one the woo woo maybe there yeah. was definitely yeah it was it was a yeah. time. <clears throat> it was a time. I used to make a lot of garbage when I was working at um, the Good Luck Bar because it was just like, oh, yeah. this great dive bar, my favorite bar in the world. Oh, R.I.P. Good Luck. I love that bar. That too. Bar's We didn't so know each good. other when you worked there. I
0: love. You know, I used to go place. there after acting class uh, with my acting. Uh, I must have served you there class every every Wednesday.
2: I'm for sure. I served you there because I worked on Wednesdays. I worked on Monday and Wednesday there. Um, that's so funny. Um, it was uh, just the best bar, oval shaped bar 20 bar stools around the whole circle like you're right in the middle it had an amazing jukebox affordable drinks they always did like a ten dollar shot in a beer thing so oh my god so there that shot in the beer was um this chinese whiskey that they like pulled out of the barrel once it had oh, i can't even say this it's so gross <laughs> once it had like they put it like a chicken a, a chicken carcass in there with it and then once the chicken carcass was like so it's the original Gone. pachuga. Yeah. It, they would like pull it, they pull that out. And I used to work with this other bartender who was, um, he would always go, chicken whiskey. He was this like old <laughs> Asian guy. He was like kind of the king of the good luck bar. But anyway, he'd be like, chicken whiskey. And we'd do that. We'd have this chicken whiskey and a sing towel for 10 bucks. That was like their thing. Um, so that was pretty gross uh, that we were serving that. But it was also like so crazy because it was tiki style blender drinks. So I would have, like, people coming at me, literally a sur- full circle around me wanting drinks. And I would have people ordering this and that, I would be, like, shaking with one hand and holding my hand on the blender top with the other hand, and just, like, it was insane, that place.
0: I, ha- I think I, I, I mean, the, the bar that I worked at in um, in New Jersey, my first jar was also, uh, my first bar was also a circle bar. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's why I my nightmares consist to this day, my bartender nightmares, consists to this day of me being in my bed trying to sleep and there's just people all around my bed and they're just asking me for drinks and I'm so tired and I just want to sleep and they're just like I need this I need this vodka soda and and I and I don't know if it's because that was like my you know I worked there for six years I worked like five days a week and like it was a circle bar but um yeah I that is
2: That is. That I is still to this way. day yeah, yeah that's probably I don't know why. if you have those those nightmares yeah. too but I mean I have a lot of nightmares from being behind the bar it is true that you do hear the um printer in yeah your, in your dreams and in your sleep I man I remember when I was at the bazaar I was I used to work in the well I think it's why I did so well at speed rack because when I competed in year two with you and um I made it into the top eight and I didn't practice at all, but I had just been all the dudes that would always shove me into the well at the bazaar. And so it was just because I think I was always practicing basically for speed wreck. Right. But I just remember like that thing would be tickets down to the floor. I'd rip that whole thing off, put lay out all the tickets in front of me. Be like, all right, I've got 45 drinks to make here. Like, which, how do I do this one first, this one, this, this. And then as soon as I'd made a decision and turned around and got my tools or whatever, The tickets would be back down to the floor. I mean, it was just insane. And I remember at that time, I was always dreaming about that Mm -hmm. ticket printer. Oh, that ticket printer. Mm -hmm.
0: I think, I mean, same, like Kylie Mandillon won the first uh, Mm -hmm. L.A. Speed Rack and, you know, came from uh, not necessarily like one of the cool craft cocktail bars, but, you know, the cocktail bar that was west side tavern um which you know has a movie theater a massive movie theater upstairs so everybody comes in at one time they order all of the drinks she worked in the well and yeah. she you know she crushed everybody because of the same thing you're saying yeah. like yeah she she didn't work at you know the varnish or like right. one of these you know uh, craft cocktail bars that we identify as those like iconic la craft cocktail bars um, she worked at a very high volume, like right. um, Ryan McGarry style cocktail bar. And and, you know, she just like kind of unknown in that competition and just like came in and blew everybody away. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I love that speed wreck so much. It's I was just talking about it to somebody else this week about how um that competition really doesn't even matter if you win. Like, yeah, you make the it to the stage, the camaraderie, and if you make it to the stage, everybody knows what a badass you are. Even yeah. if you don't make it to the stage, everybody knows that you're like a badass. Also, girl in the like, industry.
0: if you've never competed in speed rack, it is so tough. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, I mean, yes, the preliminaries are are out, uh, ridiculously tough. Um, but once you make it on stage, I mean, full blackout. Like, does anybody remember anything that they do up there? No. Like, no. Like you, you and I were in performing arts. Yeah. Uh, Fun fact, Amanda was an opera singer. Um, (laughs) I was in theater and uh, acting for my childhood and figure skating, all performing arts and like being on a stage and in front of people. And as soon as I would get up there, I would just be like. I have no idea what just happened. No like, did idea. I put what did I even make? Like, did yeah.
2: I put citrus in that cocktail? Who knows? Like, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that 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 one is so. I had a chance to judge speed rack this year, and one of the girls who ended up winning the whole thing because she was so fast won it in spite of the fact that she oh, forgot yeah. to put espresso in an espresso martini. <laughs> this clear martini came out to the judge, and he was like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know she ended up winning because she was just so 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 fast such yeah. a badass yeah um yeah and it's great to see that one that competition it just it feels you know all of the barbacks are guys and it feels like they're just really doing that thing of pushing women to the front of totally the line, and know?
0: and on that same note I think it's like
2: important to recognize that
0: like you know the LA cocktail scene is still relatively young I would say mm-hmm. Like you were one of the first women to ever, you know, go through Julian Cox's f- right. for like, you know, and uh, I think training I was in program. His second class, and I was the only girl in yeah. that class. Yeah. and so to see how far, um, you know, not just LA, but like I think speed Rack had, had a, speed Rec had a lot to do with like building, um, the strong community of women in in, you know, bartending, um, for sure. And that camaraderie, it's it's yeah. something that's very unique and um yeah, and and didn't really exist
2: right. eleven years ago. Right, before that. I mean it's so true. Now you have also these trips. Oh my God, remember the trip that we took to um Fortaleza? Yes. And somebody stole the the van that we Oh my God. <laughs> Was that our trip or did oh, I no? It was. A different, it was. It was not okay. even a
0: van. It was like the tequila barrel. Wasn't it the barrel? <laughs> it the, the barrel that yeah, they
2: there's drive a, around. There's a giant van that's the shape of a giant barrel that they drive around. And somebody on that trip. It, it was
0: Greg something who yeah. I will not say his last name. Um, but that was uh, one of the funniest things.
2: Um, yeah. No that was hilarious yeah worth it i mean every time that i've like taken time off of work to travel on one of those trips and you know you lose money from doing that and it's expensive and you know then you also like if you're going up to something like portland cocktail week you know you have to be able to pay for your hotel or your airbnb i mean when we first started airbnb wasn't even a thing so it was like we had to stay in hotels or uber or uber
0: and los angeles with Mm -hmm. no
2: before uber existed yeah that was not yeah. easy. Not easy. And L.A. is yeah. quite large. L.A. is quite large. And um, I, he, I actually do think it would be interesting to see some research on how Uber and Lyft have shifted the the drinking and driving situation yeah, in yeah. L.A. because it's, it's so spread out. But, man, back in those days, you know, it, to me it was always worth it. Every time I took any time off of work, every time I spent money on a thing, because you just bond so much with these with totally. the people you're with, you know?
0: I think it's interesting too, like that you bring up the Fortaleza trip because it, it, for all you, you know, kids out there, uh, Fortelace is the hottest thing since sliced bread and nationally and is yeah. out of stock and i don't know if you've seen their pos that they have here at tales this year it's it's very uh it's very funny it's like when it's in stock it's really great or whatever <laughs> they have cute. fans that say that and stuff that's really um, cute but like when we went that was where the first brand ambassador or not brand uh brand trips for bartenders yeah that ever happened yeah. and um and it was such a brilliant way to build that community and um, make bartenders, you know, love the product and see tequila. And, um, you know, tequila is, like, such a adorable, like, accessible little village that you can go to, like, multiple distilleries yeah. on foot in a short period of time. And, I mean, obviously, you know, obviously it worked because look, at, look yeah. at the demand. Like, so Fortaleza amazing. is, like... You know, the new chart, chartreuse, like nobody can get it and everybody wants it. And, um, but yeah, I mean, they were the first ones to really do any sort of trip for bartenders. And And they
2: were just like, you pay for your own airfare, airfare, and then we'll pay for the rest of it when you get to Mexico. And it was just magical, you know? But, oh my God, but that trip, oh my God, we all got so sick. I was just thinking that. We all got so (laughs) sick on that trip. We were all just like... On buses the whole week, just like slathering, you know, handing around bottles of tequila, like drinking from the bottle. We still and don't just know
0: like... how, I, we still don't know how we got sick. I think it was like salsa or salad I or something. I think it was
2: that too. Or we were just like handing bottles to each other and we were getting the bacteria that way. I don't know. But, you know, it's, sometimes what happens in Mexico, because I worked in tequila for so long after that, that... Um, I'm like keenly aware of this. Like I always, every time I go to Mexico, I always come back with just like a touch of dysentery. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like something. But uh, it's usually. But I don't. I'm not going to not eat the salsa while I'm there. And sometimes, the the vegetables will get washed in water that is contaminated, and then the, that'll go into your salsa and whatever. But and we don't have. So I think that that could have enzymes been enzymes to yeah to break it all yeah. down. And so I think that might have been what it was. But all of us, mm-hmm. I just remember. I think it was
0: 45 out of 90 people got
2: so sick. And we were on a like group thread. Like at the time, there was no like WhatsApp or chats or whatever. We were all in like a group, a a Facebook group, I think. And we were all just like, you know, okay, it didn't come out of both ends today, at least. Or I just remember James Bowers wrote in there. He he was like, you guys, I farted today. And it was just air. (laughs) (laughs) I I also and we were all yeah, like, yeah! <laughs> I, and uh, Warlow I remember
0: uh I feel like he was the first one that really got it like he he got it like six hours before everybody else and he like didn't speak a, a, a lick of Spanish then it was before yeah. he also worked for Altos and so he didn't speak any Spanish at the time and he just walked into the pharmacy and I wish that you could see what I'm doing with my hands, but he just kind of, like, put his hands in front of his face and his butt at the same time and, like, <laughs> made little sprinkle motions and was like, help, help me, help me. Um, and they gave him something, and maybe, I think they just gave him, him Pedialyte. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, that, that plane, that bathroom that plane on that ride. plane oh. was... I just remember... <laughs> oh, everyone... everyone if, I hope nobody listens to this. Rich Williams was like... In the back row, like I gotta sit next to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't care what seat I'm in. Like, I am yeah. sitting right oh, in the back row next God. to the bathroom.
2: Didn't you get it when we were waiting in line at Customs? Like, yeah, I felt like I didn't. I was fortunate I was at home when it happened to me. I was, it was like in the middle of the night though. I like woke up when my, like, <gasps> from my sleep. It was like, I gotta go. <laughs> like, it was just insane. We were all so sick for a few days, but. But remember, um, there used to be this
0: thing in L.A. called the Sporting Life. um, And it was like the first gathering of bartenders before there was like social media and like brand ambassadors and a million Mm -hmm. events all the time to go to. It was the once a month. um, It was a gathering um, of all of the industry people, which, you know, wasn't a lot at the time. And um, we, it would be at a different bar to showcase that bar. And um, and usually a brand sponsored it um, and did a little speech. And then we had like announcements and everybody would be like, I'm hiring here or I'm doing this or, you know, this trip is happening or um, who's going to Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah. Or and, sometimes it would be announcements like
2: so-and-so and so-and-so just got engaged. Yeah. It was
0: really like family family time for sure. But I remember the, the one after um, that portalesa trip where we all got sick and i remember seeing you and i was like oh you look so skinny you're like oh you look so skinny and i was like everybody looks so skinny we're like, all so skinny none of us <laughs> just w- yeah we, we've all just been shitting for for like two weeks yeah. and not able just to keep anything and down peaking. and drinking yeah. pedialyte and yeah and was, it just looked work. great It was so funny. Like that was, that was, everybody was just looking real LA,
2: that, that sporting life. It was so funny. That's so funny. Oh my God. So many good memories with you, my friend. I just remember there was like, God, you know, it was something something so wonderful that Dave did. I think that's why I was like a little starstruck by you anyway. But, you know, remember Monday night, that used to be the thing was to go over to the LA where you guys were working. And Dave would always bring in a guest bartender, and everybody would be there. Yeah. It was just a real family occasion, and you'd just catch up and chat and work through issues if you had them or not, or laugh and laugh and laugh all night. And then we'd go from there to Harvard and Stone, and that was where they everybody had was a going. guest. Yeah, they always had a guest back there, and um, that was really where you'd turn the party up. But, man, that time at the Evelie was really so spe- such a special Moment in the L.A. cocktail history, and there you know? are some.
0: There are some like really, you know, remarkable people that, yeah, were behind that bar. Yeah. Like the lineup was, not, uh, you know, it, it, yeah. People flew in. There were some pretty impressive people that have that have been behind that bar, yeah, and
2: I agree with you. Um,
0: yeah, it was. It was. It was a really cool. I mean, I. I the L.A. bar scene is is amazing and it's expanded like crazy um but it's all you know la is such a large geographic community um yeah. i feel like at that time there wasn't you know that that was it we had sporting life and there was like monday nights at eveli and yep. monday or and monday monday from like four to seven at Ev- or something like that i don't know It was like four to seven or four to eight and then everybody went to harvard and stone at nine o'clock and mm-hmm. and like you said Turned up um yeah and yeah i mean it was everybody was there every single monday and then i, I it's funny i was talking it was so good i talked about this with warlow um as well but um the bartender's new year's uh oh
2: yeah that was a thing that you started
0: that was with zach patterson so
2: good bartender's new year like basically new year's day yeah um in the day like i started around like one or two something like that mm-hmm. and just every bartender in town would be together Swapping stories about how they just got their asses handed to them the night before, and we're just drinking, having gin and tonics, and yeah, that was that was really fun.
0: I do feel like there's, you know, there's a new thing in LA now called pre-shift, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of. I, I mean, I've been. I I don't know if they love or hate that. I've been calling it the new sporting life, <laughs> but um, it is that though. Yeah, I mean, it it really uh, it's really inspirational because it is the first time I've seen that many people like it's not yes brands sponsor it um but it is not put together by a brand it's very organic and um, it feels like sport it's the first time I've felt like being in a room full of sporting life with um, and i know you spoke at it recently mm-hmm. and you know the, the first one i would say there were over 100 people there and it I was not believe how
2: many bartenders
0: were there and, and they so were... many generations yeah. like and the generation before us and yeah
2: wanting to learn and yeah the generation before, before us, us and like us.
0: and then what there's probably two generations yeah. after us yeah uh, there's exactly. definitely a new generation since covid you yeah. know everybody moved around and people left the industry and new people are in the industry so
2: yeah there's a lot and you know what's nice i noticed that's this week too cause I was sitting on a panel to talk about the most imaginative bartender competition that I judged last year. And, um, there was a lot of people, a lot of women in the room, a lot of people of color. And I noticed that also at pre-shift when I came to speak just about, you know, what we're doing at another round, another rally and what kind of, um, you know, opportunities we have for the people in that room. There was also, I noticed a, a lot more color, a lot more women, A lot more minorities. Yeah. A lot more marginalized folks coming up to the top and having a seat at the table. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That is great. Uh, Well, I have a meeting in 10 minutes in the lobby. Perfect. (laughs) At the lobby bar. Um, Um,
0: Well, uh, yeah, let's wrap this up. And thank you so much for doing this. And I love you.
2: And. I'll sit with you tonight at the awards. Okay. I love you. I can't wait to see you. And I hope you win tonight. Five times a charm. (laughs) My little Susan Lucci. (laughs) I mean, you deserve it. And I also feel like it's just such an inspiration. You know, all of the people who are nominated in your category are fantastic people. But the other three come from brands with a fair amount of money. And so just to see what you have done with by again just like putting two five dollar bills together and r- hoping for magic you know um it's really amazing and I'm just rooting for you I hope you win tonight I think tonight's night. We'll that's see. what I'm hoping and your dress that you're wearing tonight is perfect for the win so well
0: yes well, we'll
2: <laughs> the dress is good so the dress yeah. is winning regardless. <laughs> the dress is winning exactly
0: um all right um, all right love love you. You. Loving you is easy. (laughs) Because you're beautiful.
1: (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. Learn more about the show, our guests from around the industry, how to submit your own conversation, and be sure to subscribe at sowthisoneshift.com. This series is produced by Decoding Cocktails.